Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome in to the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Jared Mack on the show with me. And uh, today we are bringing in one of our guests from the National Desk, Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports, who's all things college football, all things transfer portal. This time of year for him is especially busy. So we are thankful, Chris, for the time that we get with you on today's show. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, y'all. I really appreciate it. Um. Let's go back to last week, um, or maybe even a couple of weeks before that. You and I talked privately just about like kind of portal needs, and you brought up the quarterback thing, and we both thought it would be a little interesting if they did go portal. They have. They've landed Dylan Gabriel. Uh, why do you feel like this is a good fit for Oregon? Why do you feel like Oregon was a good fit for Dylan Gabriel? Well, um, the Dylan Gabriel thing, I think, was one of the maybe one of the worst kept secrets in college football uh, for a couple of weeks there. Um, he was headed to Oregon the moment he went in the portal, maybe even a little before. Um, but that's kind of how this works in this era. Um, as for why it's a good fit, uh, obviously, I think on Dylan's side of things, people might wonder, like, why would he move on from Oklahoma after having such a successful year? And I'm sure some people look at Jeff Levy think, leaving as the impetus for that. But I think it was more about the guy behind him and Jackson Arnold. I think it made sense for Oklahoma to look towards Jackson Arnold as their future, um, a five-star quarterback. And it made sense for Dylan Gabriel um, in search of not only elevating his draft stock again, but in search of, frankly, like a really potentially big payday um, in the portal for a quarterback of this nature, um, Dylan uh, probably will make an NFL roster, but he's not exactly from a frame, uh, arm strength standpoint, uh, early round quarterback. So, um, going in the portal made a lot of sense for him. And I think Oregon, given the success they've had with Bo Nix, uh, Oregon, given, uh, the way they throw the football, Oregon, given some of the scheme similarity, uh, based on what Dylan Gabriel's done in his career, not exactly the same. Jeff Levy's scheme is, um, pretty unique, uh, running the beer the way they do. And, I know what Will Stein and Oregon do is a little different, um, certainly, but with a lot of the same spread principles, I think it was a pretty natural fit for Dylan. Plus, like, I mean, he grew up watching Marcus Mariota in Hawaii. Like, Oregon's a program that <laughs> I know people roll their eyes at that and, like, justifiably so, but, like, there's a reason why he shouted out Marcus Mariota 
and his transfer commitment edit it. Um, like kids in that area grew up worshiping Marcus, Marcus Mariota and the Oregon Ducks. And I think still that do. Helped. Yeah, still do. Chris, I want to thank you for coming on. I know it's obviously really busy for you right now during the transfer portal season. I wanted to know what your if there was an update on on what Walter Nolan is looking like and his his trip to Ole Miss this weekend, obviously, and how important do you think it was for Oregon to have gotten the first visit in the, in the transfer portal cycle? Um, I think usually I would dismiss the first visit, um, but given that the transfer process is so condensed in this era, mm -hmm. essentially we go dead on Monday for a dead period. Um, anytime you can get a visit from one of these guys, it's really critically important. And Walter Nolan is somebody with deep Southeastern roots. Um, I think for the most part, the teams that could really attract him are in the Southeast, um, both from the way they play football on the field and their development, and frankly, an NIL standpoint as well with Walter Nolan. But for Oregon to enter that mix, I think says a lot about where Oregon is as a program right now. Um, I've heard the visit went well. Um, I don't think Walter Nolan is anywhere close to done with this process. I expect mm -hmm. several more schools to get a um, opportunity at the plate, but it's certainly, uh, it certainly says a lot about Oregon, um, especially coming from outer region, uh, for a guy like Walter to get a visit like that. I'm curious, uh, just in the grand scheme of the portal world, um, how often is just Oregon talked about links is, is, are they a popular school for all the big, you know, the big names or are the, you know, what's just the. I guess the discussion around Oregon in the portal, are they one of the popular schools that recruits want to look at? Yeah. I mean, I think Oregon, I mean, even going back to when Oregon wasn't quite as successful uh, five or six years ago, has always been a school players have been really attracted to um, the Nike brand is massive. People love the uniforms, but when Oregon's winning the way they are, um, I think that certainly elevates it. And frankly, like the big 10 elevates it as well. Like yeah. uh, the big 10 is helpful. Uh, there's really two conferences that matter moving forward. Um, sorry to the ACC and the Big 12 and the Big 10 <laughs> and the SEC are one of them. Um, it's just the reality of it. Um, yeah. And if you want to go to the league and all, all these kids do, um, that matters. Um, and then, I mean, also Oregon's one of the more aggressive teams in the portal, uh, both in terms of the way um, they recruit guys and the way some of the off-field stuff goes as well. Uh, so, all of those factors together I mean Oregon is uh, certainly a very uh, popular name for a lot of guys in the portal. You hear them quite a bit. And you, kind of you definitely hear other fun. coaching staffs talk about Oregon quite a bit as well. <laughs> yeah, that I think that's every that's whether it's high school editions or portal editions, it's pretty common. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, the two uh, the two opposite teams essentially in the country from each other, uh, Oregon and Miami get a lot of conversations started. <laughs> I have more of a, more of a basic transfer question for you. It's actually pretty recent. So if you don't have an answer, I totally understand. But the, the, the court ruling yesterday with the multi transfer window and like that uh, allowing players to be immediately eligible, like do you expect to see a big influx in, in people entering the transfer portal? Is that more, maybe something for, for a future transport, maybe in the spring, maybe next winter. I think it would probably have more of an impact in the spring, depending on the court ruling goes, because mm -hmm. right now it's essentially just a temporary injunction. So for the next 14 days, players that were multi-time transfers are eligible to play. So it's huge for basketball players who are sitting there yeah. 
waiting for the waivers to be approved. But football, I don't think it really matters at this point. And if I was a football player seeing that ruling, it would be super risky to hop in the portal because there's no guarantee that when this appeal happens in 14 days that the ruling will be upheld. So yeah. while players aren't being penalized right now for playing, I don't think there's going to be any help for a player who goes in the portal under the assumption based on this one injunct temporary injunction that they're going to be mm -hmm. able to play. Um, so for right now, I think it's kind of a non-factor for the most part for the football transfer side of things. But if the injunction is upheld and this becomes a permanent part of the landscape, it'll certainly affect the portal. Um, you're going to see waves and waves of extra players entering because they're allowed to. And I think it's frankly going to really screw up some roster management for schools. Um, a lot of schools have been operating the assumption that once you bring a transfer in, they're locked in with you. Some schools have basically built their roster around that, knowing that when a player comes in as a transfer, they don't have to worry about them leaving. Um, so that would be a pretty big headache for schools across the country if this becomes a thing and uh, players are able to permanently transfer multiple times without penalty. Uh, I was a little surprised. You've done a couple of these tweets, stories around Liberty having some of their key guys enter the portal. Uh, even Cinderella of the group of five is getting hit with with portal departures. Um, I think they've had like, what, two starting DBs and a defensive lineman go, go into the portal. Uh, is this surprising that even like, – this is their best – this is Liberty's best season – they're going to play Oregon, which is maybe their biggest game that they've had as a Power 5 school. Or not Power 5 school, but an FBS school. Um, what's it say just for group of five schools in general that even like you have a Cinderella type year and you, even your best players won't even play in the game? It's for, I guess it's got to be pretty dark. Yeah, I mean, well, things aren't trending well for the group of five in this era in general. Um Yes, like the group of five will get an automatic playoff spot in the new system. But at the same time, like their rosters are literally being picked apart left and right. Um, there's not really a lot group of five teams can do in this circumstance. They simply cannot compete um, with the NIL dollars that are getting thrown at their players in a lot of cases. Um, it's just the reality of it. It's an unfortunate part of this era. Um, I think the best group of five teams moving forward will be the ones that are adaptable. Um, as for the... Uh, portion of that about playing in a bowl um especially given the season liberty had i am a little surprised like personally i would want to finish the season out with my teammates if i was in that situation i would want to experience um playing in a new year's six bowl getting that reward but like the way the calendar sets up if you're a significant player and have a significant market waiting can really cost you like spots fill up quickly a lot of these schools are going to fill us up and i think it puts players in a really difficult position in terms of how they handle the bowl season. I think bowl season for 95 to 90, I would say bowl season, that's probably a little high of a number. Bowl season for 80 to 90% of players um, is secondary to what their future yeah. is. Um, and that's totally understandable. And I think the bowl season will continue to mean less and less because of that. And I think examples of Liberty uh, speak to that. And frankly, like we're having players on college football playoff teams go in the portal. Texas yeah. has lost several players to the mm -hmm. portal. Alabama has lost several players to the portal. And in both cases, they've lost somewhat key contributors to the portal, not somebody directly in their 2D, but key backups in a lot of cases. Or I'm sorry, not in their starting lineup, but key backups in a lot of cases. And if players are not willing to wait for the playoff to go on the portal, like they're certainly not going to wait to go into a normal bowl game. Yeah.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. I'm going to go off the script a little. Would, would you kind of equate the transport when people deciding to jump in before the bowl games? Like, is it, is it kind of like NBA free agency where, like, there is a certain amount of money a team has, and when it fills up, like, it, 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 it's over. So you want to be one of the first guys there? Or is it, I guess, kind of more like MLB free agency where you're able to wait a little bit and then sign through? I think it depends on who you are. Like if Shohei okay. Otani decided to drag this out until um, March, like Shohei Otani would sell on March, right? Yeah. Like, so like, let's say, I, I don't know, like Evan Stewart is not in the portal, um, but I'm using it as an example because he's a name that's been speculated about going in the portal. If Evan Stewart decided to wait till January 2nd, the last day the portal was open, Evan Stewart would still have every offer in the country because he's Evan Stewart. But if you're like a really good player and you would be probably – uh, a starter for like an upper level P5 school, um, but you're not somebody that is necessarily elite or much better than somebody comparable at your position. Like there is a rush because like your preferred destination uh, can go away pretty quickly. Um, I had a player personnel source yesterday uh, compare this to like a really complicated game of chess, but the you're playing speed chess and the pieces move every five minutes. And like that's just what it is. It's th- what it is for uh teams and it's what it is for players too um and oftentimes you're advantaged by going in the portal more quickly because you have more options in front of you it feels like the system is broke (laughs) sometimes well you're not wrong about that but uh that's what happens when you're essentially a professional sport strapped to an amateur model um obviously this is a terrible time to have a transfer window because uh, bowl games are happening. Uh, teams are trying to sign a signing class and you're having to deal with roster management while also practicing for bowls and doing a hundred other things. Right. But we're playing as essentially a professional sport strapped on an amateur model, which is tied to when schools start semesters. So because these players are going to school and because they are student athletes, even if I think we would roll our eyes at that um, <laughs> thought sometimes, <laughs> they still have to be in school 
for the start of a semester and schools are not going to make exceptions and let kids come in midway through a semester. Like there's just no way to do it and stay right. on a graduation track. So the only way to really fix it, like fix it, in my opinion, would be to just do this after the spring. But I, I don't think that'll ever happen either because then you'll never have a mid-year. And, um, and I know that doesn't really work for a lot of people on the football side of the system. So it's, it's broken, but I don't necessarily know if there's an easy fix for it. Um, back to the portal real quick. This could be Oregon centric. This could be, and I apologize. I probably should have told you this ahead of time. Um, what's just maybe your biggest surprise in the portal so far, whether it's a player or a group of a position group or just a school, like what's, what's caught your, your eye. I mean, you're, you're tied into the portal as, as most as anyone is out there. Like what's, what's caught your eye the most? Well, I would say the two things I've been most surprised about both involve Kyle McCord. Um, I wasn't surprised that Kyle McCord went in the portal. I was shocked by the timing. It happened at like 5 a.m. the day the portal opened. Um, it was something I had heard speculated could happen, but wasn't something I was certainly expecting to happen or something that would be imminent. So that surprised me um, that morning. And then yesterday, frankly, quite surprised about Kyle McCord. Um, obviously, there's some Dylan Rayola shadows uh, looming over that situation, but uh, as of Tuesday night, I fully expected Kyle McCord and um, Julian Fleming to be Nebraska Cornhuskers and something happened um, to take that off the track. Uh, I don't know about Julian Fleming. He could still end up in Nebraska. Um, I'm unsure about that. But Kyle McCord will not be. So um, probably not the most interesting thing to the Oregon Duck audience. But um, It's a Big Ten opponent. They, play, yeah. they host Ohio yeah. State next year. That is true. And they and play, I think, Nebraska frankly, down like, the road. It's not, it's not a surprise, but Ohio State's quarterback room is really interesting. Um they, I don't think the staff has really been on any of the quarterbacks in the portal right now, um, hmm. based on my understanding. And obviously, I could be wrong. Um, I know some people around the program have reached out to guys like Cam Ward, but right now, with the quarterbacks that are currently in the portal, I don't know other than like a little bit with Cam Ward and a little bit with Riley Leonard, like how much Ohio State's pushing there. So they might end up with Devin Brown in 2024, which is pretty surprising to me too. Hmm. Um, another quick one, uh, just. Is there a way to kind of compare and contrast like the talent level from, I guess, the first 10 days of this year's portal to the first 10 days of last year's portal? And if there is a difference, because to, to my untrained eyes, it feels like there's a, a little bit of a talent gap. I felt like last year's portal entries, at least early on, seemed to be of better quality than this year's. Maybe that's just from the quarterbacks who entered last year, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um. I think it's probably similar. I would say Walter Nolan's a better player than anybody who entered last year, um, period. Um, I think the top of this quarterback market is better than the top of the quarterback market last year, specifically Ward, Leonard, mm -hmm. and maybe Howard, although Howard, I think, is on a tier, at least for me, like a slight tier below. Um, but overall, I would say like it's probably about the same or maybe a little worse. I think it's on the same range. Ultimately, I think an important word to remember um, this offseason is just retention. Um, retention is something that I think schools have really prioritized. Retention has culled a lot of rumors and a lot of rumored names that I expected would be in that never did enter. Um, and I mean, might still enter, still a lot of time, but um, there are certainly some shells that I had sitting on that I never did anything with, you know what I mean? Because some of these aren't happening. And I think largely schools have done a good job making sure the very best players in their roster stay put. And, and the circumstances where they're not staying put it has to do with a coaching change or a conference change um, in a lot of these cases. So I think it's fair to say the overall top of the markets may be a little weaker um, outside of like one or two positions. 
Gotcha. Kind of goes in line with what I was going to ask of retention. Um, NIL, and we've talked about it. Like these are processes that are attached to an amateur model, but they're being paid. Is NIL the driving factor for a lot of these moves, a lot of these retentions, whether it's at Oregon or other schools? Like, is NIL the number one thing? I think it's like anything else. It just depends on the person. Um, sure. For some players, absolutely, NIL is their top priority. But for others, that's not the case. Um, I think the way to think about NIL is it's no longer a new thing. It's no longer kind of interesting to talk about. It's just part of the fabric of the sport. Um, and every player, every good player, especially, is going to have a conversation about NIL. Um, so in a lot of cases, you might not have to have the best offer, but you have to have a competitive one to get a top elite player in this market. I think for some of the guys that don't end up entering the portal, NIL is leverage. Um, and it's a lever to push on to really push the school to give you more money. And we've certainly seen a lot of that. Um, but I don't think NIL is like the boogeyman pushing every player in the portal. It certainly, it certainly is pushing some guys in the portal, especially I would say at the G5 level, just because the money's not close. Um, but I think NIL is more of just an individual factor for people as opposed to like the overwhelming, um, overwhelming thing that's really controlling the cycle. You mentioned Miami and Oregon as like two teams who get the conversation started. I wondered kind of like a, a similar question to Matt's earlier about a surprise for the portal. Is there, a, is there a surprise team for you who's either doing a lot or on the other side, just not doing as much as you anticipated in the portal? Um, I don't, I wouldn't say surprise um, team from that standpoint. It's been, I think in this, the thing about the portal is like, once you start building your roster through the portal, you kind of have to keep building your roster through the portal. Otherwise right. your roster management um, gets kind of messed up. So if you start taking a bunch of juniors and seniors, you kind of have to keep filling juniors and seniors in at those roles. Cause you're not going to naturally have them every year on your roster. Cause you didn't take enough young players to have those positions. So like, I think schools that are usually aggressive in the portal um, like your old misses of the world, um, your TCUs of the world. I think they're going to continue to be aggressive in the portal because that's just how they've decided they're going to build their rosters. Um, I'm trying to think of like, I think like Vanderbilt's being more, and Vanderbilt I'm sure is very interesting uh, to everyone here. But <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm here Vanderbilt for it. is interesting. Um, obviously there's an impetus for Clark Lee uh, to start stacking up wins. They went winless in the SEC this year, um, going into year four. Um, I would say this is a pretty critical year for that program. And they've been much more aggressive in the portal than they've been in years past. And I think they've been much more aggressive in terms of their NIL market as well. Um, so from, I think Vanderbilt's a team that stands out. They've certainly lost a lot of guys, um, but they've also been aggressive in trying to add some too. And that's that's considerably different than what we've seen in the past. All right, last one I've got for you, Chris. Um, do we anticipate like another wave or waves of portal entries as bowl games wrap up um, the first bowls start this weekend and then they'll be playing out all the way through the new year and you said the second um is the deadline like do, do we think there's going to be waves of entries after these games start getting played yeah 100 it won't be like what we saw um i guess on the fourth there was like 600 players that entered and i believe that first week there were Eight to hundred to a thousand players are entered. We're at just over. I think we're almost at seventeen hundred players in the portal right now. 
Um, I would guess by the time we get to December 2nd, it'll probably be closer to 2,000 to 2,200. So certainly a lot more players are going to go in, but not quite to the degree that we've seen so far. I think the teams you're more likely to see large waves of players go in are probably the teams playing in the upper level bowl games and then um, the teams in the playoff. Because although we've seen some players go in the portal, I think there's still um, a draw for a lot of those players to stay on the roster, even if they do plan on transferring. I was going to end this with an, another dumb, maybe broad question, but I'll, I'll end it with a more Oregon center question. Just uh, another comparison one, just what's the level of Oregon's aggressiveness in the portal from this year compared to last year? And do you think it's because they're just more selective? Like Dan has more of his guys now and they have fewer, fewer roster spots to fill. Yeah, I think it's a little less, but as you said, I think that's largely because they've done a better job um, getting Dan landing players and via high school recruiting and don't have as many holes. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I mean, there's certainly spots that Oregon wants to get better at. Um, I think interior defensive line, uh, safety, um, quarterback, obviously. Um, right. And Dante Moore is still sitting out there. It's a real possibility for Oregon. Um, so they could double dip in that room. Um, but yeah, um, I think they've definitely been, a, they've uh, now have the luxury to be a little more aggressive or a little less aggressive, if that makes sense, and be more selective. So right. yeah, I think that's shifted a little bit. Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate your insight into the portal. Um, hope Duck fans have enjoyed this conversation. Maybe we'll get you uh, back on the show sometime after the portal closes and you take a break. You take a month-long decompress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to take a long nap when all this is done, but I look forward <laughs> to it. Uh, but, yeah, have me on anytime, please, guys. Enjoy it. Cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks, y'all.